text for the message this morning is Luke 23, verse 34a, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we read through Luke's account in chapter 23, you could see how the Holy Spirit uses these words to to bring us into the event of Jesus' trial and his crucifixion. Every time we read about how different people responded, we can ask ourselves what we would have done. How would you have responded when the betrayer came into the Garden of Gethsemane to get your master, Jesus Christ, with the temple soldiers around him? How would you have responded if you were commissioned by the Jewish leaders to accompany Judas to arrest him? If you had been warming your hands by the fire during Jesus' trial and been asked if you were with him? If you were among the men holding this Jesus of Nazareth whom the church leaders judged to be a blasphemer, who was undermining the church's teaching. If you were Pilate, hearing that Jesus was a rebel against the Romans, but seeing no evidence of guilt. If you were Herod, who could finally meet the famous man that had been wandering around in your jurisdiction, claiming a higher authority than your own. If you were Herod's soldiers who met a man they believed to be, or who believed he was the king of the Jews, and you felt obliged to mock him and beat him and spit on him. If you were in the crowd, incited by the Jewish leaders, as everybody's chanting, crucify, crucify him, and your blood in that Great crowd was, was boiling against a man who you were told was a blight on the nation that was worse than an insurrectionist and a murderer named Barabbas. Or if your heart was filled with compassion along the women, along with the women who were mourning and lamenting the bloodthirsty reactions of the, the crowd, the mob around you. Or if you were a guilty criminal condemned to death now hanging beside this despised Jew who claimed to be the Son of God but yet appeared as helpless as you were. If you were a Roman soldier just doing what you were commanded to do so often with your eye on that garment, the transgressor, that he would never need again if you were among those standing at a distance watching all that was taking place, or if you were a ruler of the people who had felt threatened by the power and authority of this man who you believed deceived the nation, or if you were the centurion who heard Jesus' final words and were convinced that the man you had just crucified was innocent. Luke's gospel makes us ask, 
How would we have responded if we had been there? And the question actually comes to us right here, right now as well. How do you respond when you hear the account of Jesus' trial and his crucifixion? Which criminal represents your response to the passage we just read describing the events of Good Friday? If you're thinking in your head your answer that you're firmly on the side of Jesus' disciples and Simon of Cyrene and Joseph of Arimathea and the godly women who followed him, what then is the proper response to all those people who hate your Lord and Savior? How shall we respond to those who reject him as Lord, who crucified him in their anger? Is the anti-Semitism that plagues the nations for the past centuries a justified response to killing the author of life? Well, as he hung on the cross, our Lord Jesus taught us how a righteous person should respond to Jesus' death and to those who killed him. And I preach to you this announcement of God's grace from the cross for every sinner in the world under the theme, on the cross, Christ interceded for those who killed him in ignorance. His prayer reveals that for ignorance there is forgiveness. When we read Jesus' prayer in Luke 23, verse 34, we immediately wonder exactly for whom was Jesus praying? For whom did he pray? And so knowing how to read and how to interpret scriptures, we, we look around for the closest reference before the, the pronoun, and that is to the people who crucified him, verse 33, the verse before. And then when we look back to understand who it was that crucified him, we see that it is the Romans, but also the Jews, because it was the Romans doing it at the will of the Jews. Although not all the Jews and the Romans were ignorant, there were still many people around the cross who did not know what they were doing. These are the people for whom Jesus was praying. These included several Romans. It included the, the criminals who had just been mentioned in verse 32. It included the, the great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him, whom Jesus spoke to and even corrected and instructed with the prophecy of the coming days. Jesus' prayer applied to everyone around him who knew not what they were doing. Everyone who was doing sinful things without understanding exactly what they were doing. Who, who were doing one thing when they thought they were doing another. And in this way, the Lord Jesus was maintaining the principle concerning atonement and forgiveness that the Lord had already revealed in the Old Testament. And, and grab a Bible from the pew in front of you or in the seat underneath you and turn with me to Numbers chapter 15. And we'll read the background to our Lord Jesus' prayer in Numbers 15. We'll be starting at 
Verse 22, you see the title. It's on page 123 in the Bible, the Pew Bible. Verse 22, just above that, you see that it's a section that talks about laws about unintentional sins. And then in this context, you can see that the Lord makes a distinction between sin committed unintentionally and sin committed with a high hand. And we'll read together verses 29 to 31. So that's on page 124, Numbers 15, verse 29. You shall have one law for him who does anything unintentionally, for him who is native among the people of Israel and for the stranger who sojourns among them. But the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. You see the distinction between the sin with the uplifted hand which reviles the Lord, which despises his word, which breaks his commandment and there is no repentance And then what is called the unintentional sin. That's a sin that's willfully committed that is later recognized as a mistake. Something that the person needs to repent from. Something that person grows to hate which leads to the godly sorrow that we read about in 2 Corinthians 7. And so the Lord Jesus was seeing around him some who were sinning against him with an uplifted hand. They were those who despised the word of God, who wanted to see Jesus crucified and knowing, knowing that he was the son of God. The evil one knew. Some of the Jewish leaders who, who started the plan to kill him because He had shown himself to be Lord by raising Lazarus from the dead. They knew. And yet rather than hate their sins like the disciples did, you can think of Peter weeping bitterly after denying the Lord Jesus Christ. These who knew who Christ was and yet crucified him persisted in their sin. Their rebellion in this way and their persistence in it That is the the sin with the uplifted hand or what our Lord Jesus calls in Matthew 12 verse 31 the sin against the Holy Spirit. And Although Jesus may have been desiring their repentance and their restoration of peace with God Jesus wasn't praying that the Father might forgive them while they were still shaking their fist at the Lord without repenting. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, the writer to the Hebrews extends the same language right into the covenant people of God. He says, you who have been enlightened, you who share, you who, who who taste the heavenly gift, you who share in the Holy Spirit, you who taste the goodness of the word of God and the power of the ages to come, yet still turn away from the Lord. Still uplift your hand. Will not be forgiven. Because they know what they are doing. The writer 
of the Hebrews calls such an apostasy crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him to contempt. We see the warning that our Lord Jesus gives to each one of us as we see the responsibilities that come with the privilege that we have to be believers, to be children of believers. Well, Numbers 15 verse 25 explains that unintentional sins are forgiven because it was a mistake. When the sinner recognizes that it was a mistake and then repents. The mistake of the so-called unintentional sins was the failure to recognize that that humble, beaten Jesus who had been numbered with the transgressors by his enemies according to the scriptures was actually Christ, the promised Messiah who had come down from heaven for this exact purpose. Jesus was praying for those who did not understand what they were doing because they had not seen or understood that Christ was, is the Son of God. Those for whom Jesus was praying were those who thought they were getting rid of something bad, something harmful to their own well-being, something dangerous to the true religion as they understood it. Our Lord Jesus lived on earth long enough to know how difficult it can be for someone to see the truth of God's Word. He was, after all, hanging right there between two criminals who had not yet seen the truth. And we could think of how many around him were not seeing who he was. We can think of the Roman soldiers who were just following orders. The crowds who disagreed with the Jewish people for seeking Jesus' crucifixion. And any Jewish leader who, like the Apostle Paul early in his life, felt that the way that Jesus revealed stood in opposition to the Lord and to the godly life taught in the Scriptures. A man like Paul, for whom Stephen prayed the same prayer when he was being stoned. Jesus' prayer from the cross reveals the character of the intercession of our mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ, before the Father, even to today. There are still people who sin against the Lord because they do not know what they do. Perhaps they were raised up in a different religion, like the Romans who worshipped their emperor. You could think of, of many communist contexts. Or perhaps they were blinded all their lives by the lies of the devil or their own selfishness or a slowness to learn and comprehend the message of the gospel like the, even like the disciples on the way to Emmaus. Jesus knows that not everyone who is traveling in the wrong direction as they attack Christ and his church, is always aware of what they are doing. And it is for these that Jesus Christ, who came down to earth, prays. Give an example of how we too should respond to those who rebel against God. We see this in our second point, forgiveness. For ignorance, there is forgiveness. 
Or when Jesus was on the cross, his prayer for the people around him revealed the desires of his heart that motivated him to bear the punishment of God that we deserved for our sins. As was revealed in the Old Testament, animal sacrifices for the atonement of sins in the Old Testament, the Lord wants sinners to be forgiven. Jesus prayed that God might no longer allow the sins that people commit against their will or due to their own ignorance that those sins no longer remain as barriers between God and that sinner. And we see the love of God truly loving those who are going in the wrong direction means praying for their eternal well-being. Our Lord prayed that the Father might grant that sinners might see their ignorance and repent so that they would not suffer the burden of God's wrath that Christ had come to bear for everyone who repented. Brothers and sisters and guests, those new to the church, today the ignorance is removed. Christ is the Son of God. He is the only way to everlasting life. You have heard this. You are no longer among those who do not know what they do. And with that declaration comes the call of scriptures. Don't remain in your sins. Don't lose the the advocacy of the only mediator who can present you blameless before the Father in the forgiveness of your sins. And so the apostles took this prayer and and they preached. In in Acts 3, verse 17, Peter, the apostle Peter preached, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Or as Paul preached in Acts 17, verse 30 and following, he said, The times of ignorance God overlooked, But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So we're called to to turn to him again, to turn to him even out of our our sins and our denial like, like Peter turned to him and see there a God who desires to respond to the gospel of Christ's death by forgiving your sins. Jesus' love gives hope, gives hope even as he prays for us in our ignorance. He gives hope to those who struggle with these sins they commit but regret. The gospel is if you hate these sins that you commit, as you seek to get rid of them out of your life, to change, to repent, there is a way back after the shameful things that we have thought and said and done. We could hear it in Jesus' prayer. Well, as we saw at the beginning of the sermon, people responded to Jesus' suffering and death in many different ways, and Luke walked us through all the different perspectives, but there was one perspective, one response that could only be found in our Lord Jesus Christ. You go through all that people did And it was only our Lord Jesus who prayed for his, those who were acting against him, his enemies. And his example shows us both how Jesus' followers will respond to Christ's death, 
And also how a godly person will want to respond to those who hate Christ and his church. Our Lord Jesus didn't respond to his death with contempt like so many that we read about. Neither did he respond to the the need to die with with weeping and gloom like like the women who were shocked by what they were seeing. But he responded to this death with thankfulness for what it could accomplish by receiving the benefits of his death. Even as Jesus Christ was dying on the cross, he could see the grace of God to sinners through his work. For he knew that through him there was forgiveness of sins by his very own death. And while he was dying to make the prayer possible, he prayed for sinners. There is a way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ who intercedes on behalf of repentant sinners before our Father in heaven. And his prayer will certainly be heard. In complete trust in his Father, our Lord Jesus knew that he would pass through the judgment into glory where he himself will judge the living and the dead on his throne. And once again, as the Holy Spirit reveals that Christ is either the way of life or death for you. He is the way of paradise or of judgment for you, depending on your response to the gospel of his suffering and death. He brings the question to our hearts and to our minds. Where do we stand, even as our Lord intercedes on behalf of the ignorant? Do we act like the first criminal sneering at his work, no real thought given to his sacrifice? Do we sneer at his work by our complacency, our refusal to follow him into suffering, the ease with which we miss out on worship and worship services, as if he's done nothing for us? Or are we like the second criminal we read about who confessed his faith in word and in deed, who rejoiced in the complete forgiveness of all his sins, the word, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus points to himself as the way out of judgment to paradise. Jesus trusted in God's mercy to forgive anyone who believed in him. And we can do the same thing One criminal repented. A Roman centurion recognized Jesus' innocence. There were disciples who turned back to the Lord and whose faith did not fail, just as our Lord Jesus prayed for Peter. There was a church in Rome when Paul, who had once persecuted the church, when he went there. There are people of Jewish descent today who believe in Jesus Christ. There are many who sinned in ignorance, who have been graciously brought back to God through Jesus Christ. And if you today are rejoicing in the work of Jesus Christ, you can count yourselves among them. And then Jesus taught us how to respond to those who killed him. Receiving Christ also means following him as citizens of his heavenly kingdom. 
And in that kingdom, Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 44, in that kingdom, we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Jesus did not want to see barriers between the church and those who hurt the church in their ignorance. His prayer stands against the diabolical reaction of hate that is seen so often in the anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish nation and other racist views that are held against people of the same nation as those who killed Jesus Christ or, or even those who kill Jesus' followers for what they call religious reasons. The evils that have arisen from the violence between religions and or factions within so-called Christian church. They do not flow from the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was praying for those who acted in ignorance. Although forgiveness is not possible for those who do not repent and believe in Jesus Christ, our Savior prayed. He prayed for the repentance and the forgiveness of the people who were hurting him. Now, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit calls us to follow the desires of our Lord Jesus' prayer in the same way that Stephen or Stephen did. As the key representative, this is Acts chapter 7, as the key representative of the Christian faith in what is clearly a retrial of the King Jesus Christ by the Jews, Stephen urged the people to repent and believe that Christ the Lord had fulfilled the Scriptures and was now seated at the right hand of God. You know, the, you know what happened in Acts 7. And when they responded to this gospel preaching with, with great violence, even throwing stones to, to kill this servant of Jesus, he prayed. Acts 7, verse 60. 60. He prayed, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Saul, also known as Paul, was there too. And later, when our Lord Jesus literally turned him around from going the wrong direction back into the, the right direction, and when Paul was forgiven and received by the church, by Jesus' disciples, according to our Lord's prayer, Paul could write, having left this ignorant attack to faith, he could write to new believers in Romans 8, verses 19 verse 20 to 21. He wrote, if possible, so far as it depends on you, brothers and sisters, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And Paul continues, to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If you turn to 1 Peter 4, Verses 16 and 19, now the, another apostle says the same thing. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. 
Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. On Good Friday, we rejoice that Christ has been punished for our sins so that whoever confesses their sins and repents and believes in Christ may be saved. And if we respond to his suffering and death with thankfulness and we receive all that he has accomplished for us like our Lord Jesus did even on the cross itself, we will pray that God will allow us to show the same grace to those around us. Even for those who attack Christ and his church. Even to those in the church who have tasted the goodness of God but then trampled on Christ all over again. There can be forgiveness because of the suffering of Jesus Christ. We're called to humble ourselves before Jesus Christ. For ignorance, forgiveness for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, intercedes before the Father on behalf of everyone who repents and believes in God. Amen.